Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. What is great sex for you? Oh, okay. I like that you're, get, you're getting back to the questions. Like, we're deviating <laughs> now. Oh, I have ADHD where like, I'll go here and then I I'll finish the sentence. It, but then you're like, we're going back. Um, I think great sex is sex that I think about three weeks later and shudder. Like so. <laughs> Welcome to Burning Okay, guys, what's up? I'm your host, Hannah Burner, and we are with Shan Boudram, the Ooh, queen! I thought of- you were going to do booty. I, I was going to do booty, but then I got nervous. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. We're with SH Booty. Ooh, that's like if when you write your Shibuti? next book, your next book, Shabuti, <laughs> Shabubu. Um, okay, we're with Shan. I'm just making up a bunch of nicknames to increase my intimacy early on. Um, but you're the internet's most sought after intimacy expert, which like get, makes me nervous because I have intimacy problems. But we'll get to on Shan's podcast. Um, certified sex educator, dating coach, like just like. Very smart. A um, lot of YouTube subscribers. Lot of, you've been featured fucking everywhere. You're also, girls got to eat are my friends and they're obsessed with you. Raina said she wants to make out with you. She just Ooh. wanted to tell me, let me tell you that. And you're the host of the new podcast, Lovers and Friends. I am the host of the new podcast, Lovers and Friends. I'm a podcaster now. They took a very long time. It's funny because YouTube, I feel like you've created so much fucking content there. And now... I, I guess podcasting gets to be a little more free flowing, maybe. It gets to be a, bo- a lot more intentional, I think, Ooh. because you know what? With YouTube, you're just try- it's just thumbnails and titles, yes. so it's all clickbait. Yes. For podcasts, like no, nah, you choose me. It's like an actual relationship. Oh my god! I think YouTube is a toxic relationship where you're trying to constantly like one up yourself. You're being inauthentic. You're putting on this front, mm-hmm. but podcasting feels like no, like you said yes to me, and I'm going to show you who I really am. It's like long, real long form content that people mm-hmm. are truly committed and they trust you. Ooh, I love it so much because yeah, YouTube. I feel like some of your best videos are not necessarily the most informative or interesting ones. Oh, for sure, they're not. the clickbaity ones. The clickbaity ones, yeah. And you got to play the game. I read some article where you said love is addictive like food and some of the food is unhealthy or like fast food can you explain that to me like is everyone a little bit of a love addict you kind of rolled a couple of anecdotes in there which i love because it's you too then (laughs) Um, so scientifically love is described as a neurological condition in essence that means that it's not a feeling because feelings are you might feel happy right now but then in 20 minutes you're going to feel differently Mm. so love is constant so it's actually more of a drive than it is of an emotion so Mm. we have a drive to love and to be loved and this also has roots in the evolutionary principle because love is a function of survival because as humans we're not necessarily the strongest or the fastest swimmers or the best runners but when we get together and we stick together we obviously conquer the world so love is a function that keeps people together long enough to ensure the survival of not just each other but of a potential offspring and so it's a commitment device that is very useful 
um, in the wild, but in a free world where we don't necessarily need love, it could actually lead us to make some unhealthy decisions and stick to them, even though it isn't the best fit for us. This is some National Geographic shit that I'm so for right now. <laughs> I think it's something that I will say to my kid like very early on, like when she gets of age, just imagine you walk into a room, right? And there's cocaine and mm -hmm. there's heroin mm -hmm. and there's LSD. There's a bunch of drugs. Mm -hmm. The very first LA. drug you choose you're going to stick to that drug, not because it's the best drug, but because it's a drug and it's addictive. So the your first love, that devotion, that obsession that like, I'll never find anybody else. This is the only person for me. It's like, that's because you have only tried heroin so far. There's many other options and there's healthy drugs. I'm yeah. giving a terrible analogy. Here, <laughs> there's healthy options for you. But that to be said that don't trust that just because you feel that that means that this is a healthy partnership for you. And that's where the, the likemanship to food is, right? Like what I want to do for sex and love, I think what is what happened with food like 10, 20 years ago. Because mm. I don't know how old you are, but when I was growing up, the five healthy food groups had nothing to do with what's actually healthy for you. No. Like you need a bunch of bread in your life. And, and like you no need, fat. Yeah. And, like and now we're a part of a healthy diet. Yeah. <laughs> and now you it's like avocado to the face. Yeah. 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 Low fat, low sugar. And we didn't really exactly that. So we didn't have an awareness of how to actually choose healthy food for us. And so as a result of that, we were driven to eat foods that were more comforting than they were actually healthy. Mm. But now people have an awareness of the difference between like healthy fats and unhealthy fats and sugars that are good for you and sugars that are manufactured and designed to get you addicted. So we have a better consumer awareness. So we can choose better food. I think with love and relationships, we need the exact same awareness. Oh, so like, so like sugar, like processed foods are like tall guys who haven't been to therapy. Yes. Got it. Exactly Got that. It. Got it. And that's the thing. I think <laughs> when I was growing up, it was this notion that if you're attracted to somebody, that means something. If somebody hurts you, but you still want to be with them, that's like the cosmos telling you that this is your destiny, that you guys should stick it out. And I'm like, no, that's just fucking addiction. Yeah. It has nothing to do. Like if I quit cigarettes, I'm going to long for cigarettes, not because we're destined to be together forever, but because there's yeah. addictive properties in yes. that SIG. Well, it is truly like a dopamine hit when you're falling in love. So it makes sense. Like, and you could get, I really believe you can get addicted to anything. Like you can get like addicted to like highlighter makeup. Like you could get addicted right. to anything that you love. Anyone can overdo something. So I feel like it's important that you know the difference between when something is just like a high but it's also you're important to note that like this isn't like any addiction like they have like neurons like scans of the brain and the brain in love especially the brain while having sex is identical to a brain that's at the peak of heroin use <gasps> so there are definite linkages in terms of like the reward that your brain is giving you for being in love again because of the implications it has for your survival mm -hmm. is really strong mm -hmm. so just that to be said um, don't trust just because you're drawn to somebody that that means that they're a healthy or right choice for you. That's beautiful because, and it also makes you feel less crazy and that like we're human. It's a human need to be like, oh, this person's attracted to me. I want to be connected to someone. I want to be in love. Um, you, and, Is that you? Is that your personal name? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want to get shows. I like people. I like people who like me. It's, But I also, I joke a lot in my stand-up about Disney and how Disney teaches you to be attracted to like the prince like mm -hmm. the guy who's gonna save you and they're always like narcissistic d-bags and I like go into it how they're all fuck boys but I learned and you said this in one of your articles that it's not about like who a guy is on paper it's how they make you feel 
Yes. Uh, and that, that shook one. me hey. to the core. That <laughs> shook me to the core because I remember having, like, growing up, you just want to, like, impress your parents or impress your friends and be like, look at this hot guy. He he has he's, has fame or he has money or he has smarts. Or he's, who gives a fuck if he's not right for you? It's a puzzle piece and it's going to just not fit. Yeah. But also it's acknowledging, like, I dated this guy and he was wildly successful really good looking mm -hmm. very charming super cool but for whatever reason when i was around him i was uncomfortable i was nervous i was shy i was awkward i felt stupid like in reflection of this person who had all these great you know list listables i didn't like myself and that maybe was a signifier for me to do some more self-work or maybe just in general we weren't compatible so Instead of focusing on what I wanted externally someone else to be, I focused on how I wanted to feel when I was around that person. Yes. Because it's actually more important that you're turned on by yourself, that you like yourself in the relationship than you like the other person. Wow. I do I do 100% agree because it's hot that a hot guy likes you, but if you don't like yourself with that hot guy, then you're going to eventually just be empty. Exactly. It's exhausting because, I mean... You want to be attracted to somebody else, but the greatest love of all, the most important love of all is self-love. So that's the one that I want to preserve and I prioritize more. So instead of like the external list of what I want someone else to be, I do an internal list of how I want to feel. Oh my gosh. In but your that, that engagement, is that different for you in your engagement? In the person you I love. With. I love the host coming out, turning <laughs> it on me. I love it. I mean, did you notice a difference in how you feel about yourself in this relationship versus other relationships? A thousand percent. But I, that person, like I was an athlete. I was always like looking at results. I was very competitive. So I thought dating was the same way. We're like, okay, let's find the best guy. And I find myself in that situation where... This guy I was with, I enjoyed being with his roommates more. I enjoyed spending time with my friends more. And then when I spent time with him, like I didn't feel funny. I didn't feel smart. I didn't even feel like wanted. Mm -hmm. But he said he loved me and he wanted to be with me. And I thought I was self-sabotaging it. I thought I would like I was I had all this anxiety like you're just ruining this because you don't think you're afraid of the light. You're afraid of the yes. positivity. But it's like, no, he's not right for you. And that's OK. Yes. And with this, my fiance it's funny because my parents were like, we've do never. Feel, do she saying that? Yes. My fiance. My fia the first like two months I couldn't, but I'd be like boyfriend and people would be like, you're lying. You're engaged. And I'm like, I'm not going to say fiance. Mm -hmm. It sounds like stuck up and yeah. annoying. <laughs> but now people will be like, if you say fiance one more fucking time. And I'm like, fiance, fiance. <laughs> but he, my, my dad was like, we haven't seen Hannah be more herself. Ooh. But you know what? That's complicated too. Because it's like, he's a mirror and I'm being fully myself. So I've had to face more shit with him. That's interesting. Cause my sister, I did an episode on, on change in a relationship. Like, should you change who you are to fit the relationship that you're in? And my sister said, I've never seen you be less yourself in this relationship. And it's a good thing. <laughs> so, well, maybe it is yourself, but it's a side of yourself that you haven't been letting out. Yes. I mean, also too, it was like forcing necessary changes in me to be more empathetic, to be more um, calm, um, mm. to be more connected with somebody else's experience and feelings. Because I can just tend to be a like, here's how I feel, here's what I want, here's what I'm doing, and then not uh, be mindful of how that impacts other people's experience around me. But when I met Jared, I, because he's so deeply in tune with everybody else's feelings, all of a sudden I was like, oh, there's Adorable. other people on this planet. Let me like consider what they're going through. Well, saying 
I myself is such a complicated thing because mm-hmm. with Des, I've never apologized more in a relationship. Yes. Other relationships, I'd be like, oh, that pissed you off? Then go find someone else. I don't need you, bitch. <laughs> like, I literally would be like, okay, cool. I don't fucking need you. Like, I had such a wall up where Des, I will literally, even when I'm not in the wrong, be like, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the situation right. I love you so much. Like, I've, I actually care to make it work with him. <laughs> and with him, he saw my like most vulnerable sides very early on. Like I don't show that much emotion. I'm very like, what does that mean that you cried? Like, please don't leave me. It's funny. I was crying, but about my own shit. Like I was on a reality TV show and I, we went on four dates. I went on a reality TV show. He wasn't allowed to see me and I was just calling him every night. I'd call him Been on four dates and then you went on the show. Yep. Like just real life, I was going Wasn't on dates with him. Wasn't allowed to be part of your reality on he, the show? He was, we had to, cause it was COVID. It was a plan that we were going to be in this house. And he was like, go do your thing. Like, we'll see what happens. I called him every night. I would cry in the beginning. I was dealing with like really intense drama. Mm-hmm. So he's dealing with me in this like really weird social situation. I'm did you guys in. have an awareness of each other before the four dates or it was like date one? We kind of did. That's helpful. We, he, he were both in the comedy space and we found out we both were in Long Island and he DM'd me. And he, when I was calling him, I'd like cry, which was so not me. Like I'm so used to being like the cool girl who's just fun and effortless and goes with anything, which isn't fully who I really am. And then I'd, he'd calm me down. Then we'd have phone sex and then we'd just get to know each other for like three hours. And we do that like every night. How long did the phone sex last? You mean like in the moment or months? No, was? like in the moment. Oh, in the moment? So I'm like, how long are these phone sessions? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was fun because we're both like comedians, so we love talking. So we love the like talking part. But there were also cameras, so I'd be like hiding from the cameras, like I'd go in the laundry room. That's it was amazing. the weirdest situation. Or or I would just like walk past people and go in the bathroom, and they'd be like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Don't worry about it." And so I, it was kind of secret, which is kind of hot. It's super hot. It's like having sex at your parents' house. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Except all of America might eventually hear. But it was, I don't know, it would be like maybe like 10 minutes. And, but it was funny because after it, then we still didn't want to leave each shoulders. other. <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> Just being crazy for 10 minutes. And yeah, it was this like intense time where he saw this like, I joke in my stand-up that I was crying every night and he's like, that's wifey material. That's what I want. But what's funny too is I've dealt with the narcissist. I've dealt with the toxic shit. I finally was in a good place in my career. So when he was really like upfront that he was into me, I was like, I've dealt with love bombing. Like I, I, I didn't trust it. So he was the one that had to kind of be like, hey, like I'm in this. And he was the one who was like, I played some games a little, just to test. And he was like, if you want to play games, that's cool. I'm not interested. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) So he kind of threw me and I also didn't really want to have a boyfriend at the time. So it was a spin. Okay, you turned this shit on me and you knew it. (laughs) I loved it. It was very beautiful. (laughs) But I saw a YouTube video that said you and Jared had a non-traditional engagement. Our engagement was pretty average, <laughs> but I mean, I think you mean because we were in an open relationship. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was just the title. It was the clickbait title. Oh, was it non-traditional engagement, non-traditional marriage? Maybe we I have mean, um, the engagement. I mean, he got it on one knee. So I think non-traditional engagement would be that like he was flying above me or something <laughs> like that. He got it on one knee and he handed me a ring. So I'm like, that's pretty standard or imperfect way to get engaged. Oh yes. I think, yes, that's definitely. And you're going on the almost 30 podcast today. Yeah, I am. So I did this episode for my podcast with them about 
uh, pressuring your partner to propose. <laughs> so I pressured like a fucking power washer. It was pretty like, so I think that that was the <laughs> imperfectness of it. But also the way that we got engaged, it was so us because it just, he was trying to get uh, proposed to me maybe like an hour and a half before I realized because I was in a fight with somebody else in my brain. So I was like not even picking up what he was putting down. So it was kind of a cool thing for us, but- So you actually were surprised. I was surprised. Wow, because I feel like people don't talk about how engagements are actually not as like romantic as you'd think a lot of the time. Like a lot of the time the girl's like, this is the ring I want, this is how I want you to do it. Take me on this trip and do it. And I know he's gonna do it and he doesn't. They're like, check, thank you. But I kind of love the surprise factor. It was a mix of both though, because I uh, I talk about this in the episode, like the Ali Wong factor, when you you ever watch her special? Love Ali Wong. Where she talks about that of like, you know, I was so surprised when my husband proposed because I'd only been pressuring him for six months. <laughs> and so that was kind of our story of like maybe six months before of being like, when, what, huh, huh. And then there was a time that I really put it in my brain that he was going to propose. Like I was, I pictured the entire thing. You manifested that I manifested shit. that shit. But the thing about manifestation, sometimes it doesn't actually happen in real life. Like you just manifest it yep. and then it doesn't occur at all. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what happened. And so I had worked myself so much into this was the day that on the drive home, I lost it. <gasps> I lost it because we were driving home. And he's like, what do you want to go get to eat? And I was like, I'm not hungry. And then he was like, what's your problem? And then I just unleashed that. Basically it was like my, I was working on a TV show at the time and it was mm-hmm. our last taping. And he made a really big stink about wanting to be there and then like wanting to be there like uh, ahead of time. And he usually comes and it just felt like it would be the right time to do it. And so I thought I wasn't going to be surprised because I had had this moment where I was like, you basically have ruined it for me. Yeah. Even if we do get engaged, it will never be. And this is all in your head. This like, is all this in is, my head. Yeah. This is all you kind of controlling so the situation. I mean. it was like kind of a, yeah, it was an imperfect. So you're driving back. You freak out. Yes. You know what happened? I cried for the entire night. I cried so much my eyes were puffy the next day. <laughs> and he had to sit and watch the entire thing. Um, but then I, I think a couple months later, maybe a month later or something like that, he proposed. At that time, I wasn't expecting it. So it was nice. <laughs> what if he was and he's like, mm, I feel like she knows I'm going to wait two months. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what he did. And I think kind of what made it not that, like I looked crazy when he proposed to me. Like I had on sweatpants and mm-hmm. glasses. So I didn't see myself the way that I, I saw myself getting engaged. Like it's my TV show. Full makeup. I've got full glam, glam on. Like, yes, lighting. Exactly. <laughs> and he was like, now I'm gonna wait until you look like your breath smells bad and then I'm gonna do it. So He's cute. He wanted like you raw. Maybe. <laughs> to backtrack for people who don't know, you are in an open relationship. I don't know like the details about it. Can you tell me if you've been in an open relationship before and how you guys navigated to like, be in one yeah it just kind of came to a place we started off as fuck buddies let me just say that mm-hmm. um i always make the distinction of fuck buddies and friends with benefits because i just gotten out of a long-term unhealthy long distance relationship and during that time i've gone to school for sexology oh thank you mm-hmm. so i was learning all these cool things about sex and how to be sexual but as you probably know in unhealthy relationships you either a don't have sex or b it's really not great sex um so i was learning all these things but i had no one to practice on so when i got out of that relationship i was like i am too fucking broken to get back with somebody Oof. i am a mess right now i was on the brink of being deported from the country i was like there's oh, no yeah, way she's canadian there's no way that i'm in an emotional state to partake in a connection with somebody why do people say that like toxic relationships the sex is great maybe 
I don't know, maybe it could be in the beginning, but I think that there's so much, especially in a long-term one, so much resentment is yes. built up. So there was so much resentment and then sex became a power tool of withholding <laughs> of like, I'm not going to. I've been there. Yeah. I mean, in my particular case, he would withhold from me because he had other partners. And so. Did you know about them? Yeah. You know, I can say yes and no. Like I, I think I caught him cheating on me eight times. So. <laughs> and it wasn't open. Uh, no, it was not open. No, it was not open at all. But. I mean, I can always like look back to myself and say, like, I also knew the reputation before. Yeah. And this is where I say like the cold cosmic thing, never really buy into that story because my ex was somebody that I had a huge crush on in high school. Mm -hmm. And so in my twenties, when we got together, it was like, this, this is, is the meant story. to be. This is it. Oh my gosh. The, st the love story the in your head story. affects a lot. I and feel it does like. because you write the ending and then you'll do things in the moment to suffice the ending that you created at the very beginning. And so you find yourself going completely off script of who you are because you think you're staying on script of what the story's supposed to be. And then it becomes this whole shitty mess. I have kind of a crazy metaphor, but I, when I was in LA, I did a podcast episode with this girl, India Oxenberg, who was part of the Nexium cult. Beautiful name. Gor you like have to be interesting if your name's India, I feel like. The last name too, actually, is gorgeous. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so she was in a cult mm. and she was talking about it. And I joke that like I think I could easily be a part of a cult like I'd be convinced and I do think that it is similar to like being in a toxic relationship because you'd be like why would you stay with a guy who cheated on you eight yes. times why would you do all this stuff and it's like no because in my head I believed it was good for me I believed it was like my purpose I, I wanted it to work I didn't see the red flags because I wanted it to be my story so it like really is so easy for you to stay in things if you decide that it's worth it for you oh 100% I mean and I always find it really interesting because men in particular uh, are really good manipulators. So there's, I went through a period of time where I was researching dark psychology a lot. Ooh. I was researching pickup artistry a lot. I'm like, it's so crazy because these are things that I'm reading about and I can learn to do through literature. I don't think my ex was like sitting down and reading. No, the they art. just know how to do it. The love bombing and yeah, stuff. But I think it maybe it might be trial and error or watching other people do things. And I'm not trying to genderify this. I'm sure everybody, you know, has the capacity to do this, but maybe just societally, the way that men are conditioned, they learn that they can get the results that they want and I'm, I say results in air quotes because if the result that you want is to give people a shitty experience with you and to make people hate the experience of being connected to you but be connected to you then you get what you want but you can have multiple partners who are all exclusive to you and you're exclusive to none um, by doing these like very certain particular tactics and techniques so my ex was really good at being manipulative so I can look back and understand why you know I stayed for so long but definitely um the, the cult thing is a perfect analogy <laughs> thanks i've spent four days in la and i'm yeah. like i like cults and crystals <laughs> <laughs> so then an open relationship was this the first time yeah, so yeah tell me what the fuck buddies more like um we got together at a time that i was just not ready to be with somebody in that way but i learned all this great stuff about sex and i wanted to try it on somebody so i went through this phase where i was just you found a beautiful man too. <laughs> Multiple. I would just bring dudes over who I thought were hot and I'd wear a sports bra and sweatpants and play Beyonce and make out and be like, do I want to go further with you or not? Uh -huh. And that was also a great time of my life because that's when I realized like you can receive oral sex and do nothing else. I think as a woman, we're always thinking we have to be the one to give more sexually. But I was like, no, no, I can just receive i can just get licked mm. and then send the person on their way and that's the night mm -hmm. so i think i was just doing that really enjoying 
the power of being sexual and the pleasure that was giving me and also the space it was giving me to heal myself emotionally. And when I met Jared, I just knew that he was the one that I'm like, oh, you're my fuck buddy. I remember because you felt was, safe with him. I mean, not that. No, I don't give a fuck about all that. <laughs> he was great in bed and he was authentic and he was where I was at sexually. So I remember he was fingering me and I looked down at him and the look on his face was as if he was composing a beautiful sonnet. Like he was really feeling at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so accustomed or had been accustomed to being around men in particular who you could tell just watch a lot of porn. So a lot of their sexual uh, responses felt very automate, automated. Mm. Like, oh, I've seen that in a porn Like before. they're replicating what they saw. Exactly. So it was so rare to see somebody who I felt was genuinely feeling their way through the moment mm. and genuinely present with me and then responding to me real time. And you can't orgasm if you're not in the moment. So if he's in the moment, that helps, I feel like. It does, yes. Especially if you're feeling his energy really strongly. Yeah, and it was just, I don't know, I had a great time with them and then we had great sex for a long time and then we evolved into friends of benefits because we started to integrate our lives and then we were friends of benefits and he needed somewhere to stay for a couple weeks so i was like eh, come stay with me and we just had the best like two weeks of my life and i remember he found a place to live and he was about to like sign the papers and i was like yeah but like what if you don't leave and then he was like what i was like yeah like what if you just keep living here like and then he was like i i would love to And so at that point, we had still been dating other people. We had this really great connection that was, I think a lot of us, you know, for what I do for a living, I'm very flirtatious and I like exchanging other people. I like learning. I like talking to men. So I love the fact that I got to do that while still having great sex with somebody. And he also really loved the fact that he got to be flirty and out there. So we moved in together and we're like, we don't want to change our relationship status but we should tell people that we're something because it can't be like, I live with my fuck buddy. It yeah. doesn't seem right. Yeah. So then we're like, ah, like what, what can we say? Like, what are we? And so that's how we came up with the term open relationship. It seemed like he was your partner, but sexually and flirtatiously, you were okay with him doing other things, but after, and you doing other things, but you'd been cheated on. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the age old question is like, how do you not get jealous? A uh, compersion. Um, I will say, to be honest, to be a thousand percent, this is a thing that like I battle with online a lot too. Is that our relationship is open, but neither one of us have had sex with somebody else. Mm. So we have maybe flirted. I've gone on dates before. Um, I went through a period of time of like seeing somebody consistently for a bit, but it never crossed that barrier. And I think similarly for him, like he's had like singular experiences that's never crossed that barrier. So it might be easier for me to answer this question than somebody who has had a partner who had a whole other girlfriend or a whole other boyfriend. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, it's like compersion. Like I just feel joy in knowing that he's happy. Like just the same way that if he goes out with his friends, he has a great night. He usually comes home really energized, mm. you know, and excited to be around me. So I feel like that's the, what we've experienced when we have been open. And we also like consider ourselves to still have an open relationship because it's not closed. But since I've had a baby or got pregnant, neither one of us have like dated or gone outside. So very interesting and so you could like make out with people yeah i could do whatever i want he could do whatever he wants so it's okay so at first it's like oh i thought maybe you might do this because you want to make sure he knows like he can if he wants whatever but it's almost like you have the ultimate trust in your connection emotionally i like i guess tricky in that though because i don't want to rest my you know sense on like he could 
but he doesn't want to. Yeah. Because then when he does, what does that mean? Like I'm doing something wrong? It just probably has more to do with the connections that he is or isn't getting to make out there in the world. And I think that that's our thing of like, how do we not personalize the fact that you might feel attraction to other people. It has nothing to do with me or nothing to do with you, which has to do with your experience as a human being. So his experience as a human being right now isn't being reflected in that way. But if it is, I really hope that I have the strength not to take it personal. And in the past, I have been able to not take it personal. And I pray for that strength going forward. (laughs) This is fascinating. I love it. You also just said like you guys have great sex. Can you define what great sex is? Yes, let's stop. Perfect. Just like there for you to like do whatever you want to. Like we're both like equal partners in the experience. Choking your partner while you're on top is awesome and super hot. Ooh. And it feels very femme fatale. Ooh. So, and then also too, I think it's, it's they, there's an awareness that they could just get you to stop. Because I yeah. feel like if I'm being choked, like, hey, man, this could really go the wrong way for me. Yeah. If I'm choking you. Do you like getting choked? Um, it's very like in in the culture right now there are people who they have to like oxygen deprivation can help heighten your senses and give you a stronger orgasm Mm. so i know people who even while masturbating Mm -hmm. need to deprive themselves of oxygen even if it is like heaving um or holding their breath so if you it, it could be like your recipe for a good orgasm it's not necessarily my recipe for a good orgasm i haven't necessarily found that feeling like I'm about to pass out makes me feel more sensitive. I have like too much anxiety for that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I can see how it makes sense. But I love your scientific approach to things because I actually, the first time I masturbated was when I was 18. Mm. And we can unpack that at another time. <laughs> but um, it was, I took a class called like sex and gender or something in, at the University of Wisconsin. And they basically explained just the scientific part of an orgasm so instead of it being this like freaky thing that you're doing that's like just for like self-care self-pleasure they were like you stimulate this and this happens and it made me want to do it to just be like oh this is just part of the human existence yes and I love that approach that you have with stuff and how you explain it and just like this is part of what our bodies do I think it helps me whenever I hear the scientific explanation to things it makes me feel like It makes sense. Mm -hmm. So even when I was coming out of that relationship and I had gone through so much manipulation and so much loss of self, it was reading these books about dark psychology that made me feel like, okay, like I understand now. And then that brought me such a It's not made up in your brain. It it brought me closer to healing. So I think that I intellectualize things. And for some people, they don't like that because it can take the magic out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And also too, we want to feel like this is an area that's personal to us and deeply personal. So when somebody provides like a scientific formula for like what you're experiencing emotionally that can feel minimizing mm. so it's my way it may not be everybody else's way but i definitely like when there's a word for things or yeah <laughs> a proven theory and everyone it's a different experience for sure but i want to know what what is great sex for you oh okay i like that you're getting you're getting back to the questions like we're deviating <laughs> no oh, i have adhd we're like i'll go here and then I i'll finish the sentence it, but then you're like we're going back um i think great sex is sex that i think about three weeks later and shudder like so Ooh. it's great in the moment but the next day i'm proud of the decision i made i'm proud of the person that i was i am i feel like i chose you know healthy options for safety so i think three weeks because you know that's the time it takes to figure out if you are st if you have acquired an std through that experience so Mm -hmm. um great sex stop being about like 
hotness in the moment and feeling full in the moment and feeling that rush of passion or even an orgasm in the moment because if the next day I woke up and I didn't feel good about who I was or two weeks later I'm concerned about my health that's not a good sexual experience mm -hmm. so I think if three weeks later I can look back on it and be like oh that was the shit like I'm gonna put that in the wank bank that to me is great sex I love also that I'm talking with you right now because I have I'm working on like a new stand-up bit about how sex is not consistently as good as society makes it seem. Oh, did you see that TikTok trend? I don't know. Oh, if you haven't, I can do this for you <laughs> for the first time in forever. Um, there is a TikTok thing that came up. I think you'll appreciate this. It could take me some time, so That's you okay. can get it around it. But basically, somebody asked, what does sex feel like for women? Oh, I saw it. Didn't have the attention span to watch it. Okay, here are some of the responses. Okay. When someone is scratching your back and misses the part that's actually itchy. It's an <laughs> acting career. When you switch to the other side of the pillow, but it's warm. When you accidentally close your Spotify when you're swiping through the apps. <laughs> As someone waiting, uh, yeah. You know at the point that something is screaming right, okay. You know the point where someone is screaming right there, right there, but they keep missing it? That's what it feels like. Okay, so as a, a sex expert, how does that make you feel that like all these women are like, what the fuck is going on, bro? It made me feel proud. I was like, <laughs> women are funny. <laughs> Some of the examples were like, when you go to dip your wings and you think it's ranch, but it ends up being blue cheese. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, so that is nailing like what I'm trying to, I just want to normalize it. I feel like you just, I thought that everyone around me was having like amazing sex and I just was like not figuring it out yet. But the truth is I think that sex being mind blowing every time is just a false narrative. Yes. And I joke like sex in the shower, how there's so many more complications or like sex in an airplane bathroom, like not as ideal as, you know, society makes it seem. And then like sex in movies, how it's just so, I joke, I'm like, I queef all the fucking time. I've never seen a queef in a movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I love speaking to you because it's like, let's talk the real shit. Like what's really going on? Cause there's incredible sexual experiences, but there's a lot of missing happening, especially in your early twenties. Mm -hmm. And there, I mean, there's a wide range of it and finding like, I think it comes down to what you said in relationships that it comes with you and understanding you. It definitely comes with that, but there's also an acknowledgement that the sexual scripts that we have don't put us in a starring role. So if sex is defined in a heterosexual relationship as penetration, well, only 25% of people with vulvas achieve orgasm from penetration, mm -hmm. specifically even less than that, a penetration alone without like an assisted orgasm, which means that you're also stimulating the nipples or mm -hmm. the clitoris is also being rubbed you know, during the process. So if we're defining sex by this act that 75% of people are not going to receive pleasure from, then of course you're going to have a mass amount of people who are going to say, yeah, sex is like watching someone else clean. It's satisfying in the moment, but you know, you got to clean your own shit later. Mm -hmm. And that that changes when we start to broaden out our definition of sex. So sex is stimulation of your primary sexual organs. So if I, my clitoris is not being stimulated, I actually didn't have sex. I masturbated you, right? Like, or I watched you have sex or I gave you an avenue for sex, but what I needed wasn't stimulated or provided in that experience. And so I think if we did that, we would have a lot more people who would say like, here's what good sex takes for me, not just here's what good sex is supposed to be. Let me try to figure out how I can fit in that, that model. Mm. 
Burner Phone is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. And there's also figuring out yourself like masturbating helps you understand like, oh, this is what feels good for me. This is what yes. I like. But then there's a weird transition of like, I know how I make myself come. But then when there's a person there, it's like you either try to make them like replicate what you like or you find like a new way that they add to the experience. This is like the sexual math I'm doing in my head. That's good. That's a perfect math. I think that's exactly what you need to do, right? Like you need to have a base understanding of what works for you. And then somebody else says, well, have you tried this? And that person has more appendages than you do available. Like mm -hmm. If you're masturbating, you only have a couple of hands. That mm -hmm. person has a mouth, they have two hands, and now you have your two hands too. So mm -hmm. there's just more to play with, whether that person uses a hand to grab a toy or to rub your mom's pubis, or you can pinch your own nipples. Like There's a lot more you can do because there's more appendages at play, but um, you should still be doing the basic things that you know are going to get you off. And they can do it in their own way. So I have great sex all the time. Mm -hmm. I probably will say with my husband, like I orgasm 98%. And if the 2% that I'm not orgasming, I'm choosing not to. I thought you were about to say 98 times per week. And I was like, oh, Bitch, my God. <laughs> but that's just because we really prioritize what works for me. And if, if yeah. we don't, we didn't have sex. I yeah. gave him head, right? Yeah. Or he had a quickie. Yeah. And that's even part of the definition too. Like, yeah, I, I, he had a quickie. I just bent over and I'm like, do your thing, you know? We've all been there. Yeah, and that wasn't sex for me. No. That, wasn't, that was philanthropy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll Venmo you after. Right. You're welcome. And true, the sex feels so much better after I've already orgasmed. Like, yes. it, for me. And also, it'll probably feel better for him. It's like, you need to turn preheat the oven, bitch. Um, I also think to call your partner bitch in the bedroom. I made a joke about it. You made a joke about it. I'm like, it would be kind of cool if you, you also. I haven't. No, I haven't. There... <laughs> I also I'm like younger, like he's 45. I'm 30. And like he definitely like is more dominant. But I've never liked guys who are like fully dominant. Like I didn't like the whole like push me down on the bed and like that kind of wild sex. I'm for some reason like that that turn that scares me mm -hmm. so i joke about like i like choking but there's like technique to it like no windpipe like maybe a little lower <laughs> like also i like to date large men because <laughs> my own whatever i like to feel like dainty like a dainty flower but um anyway i also i want to delve a little bit into your book where you talk about like dominance and yes. dating can you give me a little like summary on kind of what inspired you to write that I think that people here, first and foremost, if you've written a book, you probably are aware of this. Do you write about, you have a book out? Uh, no, but I'm starting. You're, oh, congratulations. Kind of. Okay, well, you won't get I'm to making the notes. title. I'm writing uh, notes. You don't? Not really. Mm. I, I recorded, babe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I was just talking about your uh, successful orgasm rate with me. Yeah, she said 98%. <laughs> you clock it like a golf score. You put it in every time. <laughs> Check the handicap. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Oh, we're talking about 
Do you say book title? Oh, Which yes. is funny because the only thing I'll think about is like, ooh, what, what I want the title of my book to be one day. Yeah, you don't necessarily get all the say that you would like to get. Mm-hmm. So the title of my book was not chosen by me. Neither was the cover of my <laughs> I book. I love how you preface it by like, this was not mine. <laughs> well, because they're like, this is going to be salacious. And it's like a cosmopolitan title. I actually I remember wanted- seeing the, the cover and being like, mm, I didn't see that for her. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. I can- well, it was very like, it was not your face. Yeah. And I was expecting to see your face. Yeah, there was like racial reasons for that. Oh, hun- right. Whatever. Um, different uh, podcast, different topic. But um, <laughs> we'll unpack that. I just wanted to be a little bit more, you know, accessible. So Which, yeah, but it's funny because then like when it's on trend, they're like, "Oh, we want your face." On yeah, there. I mean, my next book will have my face. <laughs> I think at the time I was my um, yeah at the time. That, anyway, anyhow well it's interesting what what they want for the situation it's yeah. like we want this kind of educating and we don't want to confuse people by like what you look like however that complicates things for their their numbers that right but then you kind of realize that same thing with the podcast right like everybody has all these ideas but it's your market it's your audience that really does come out and support mm-hmm. so there's this fictitious audience that they're like we don't want to you know offend or we want to attract these people those people don't come it's your people so like that's who you should cater towards yeah. um, my mom has this anecdote that I love so much is she says if you throw a conference for 3,000 people and only 30 show up do you stare at the door the whole time waiting for the other thousands to come or do you focus on the 30 so I focus on the 30 in my life hell yes it's funny because stand-up comics talk about you'll have a room of people laughing and one person in the front with their hands crossed not wanting to be there do you try to win them over the whole time or do you focus on where the energy is good yeah and I always think about like in a company you're running put your energy towards what's like working instead of like the one thing that you're tr- struggling with like if you fail fail fast I love when comics point out that person <laughs> like, that means that they're struggling with their shit like yeah. they're pissed when they're like you didn't you're not having a good time at all. I I'll try to win them over a little, but if it's too hard, I'm like, fuck it. All these people are enjoying it, and I'm going to put all my positivity and the positive energy. Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> I'll try, though, because I'm competitive. <laughs> when you do your book, you stand up for that. You are the spokesperson for your audience. They trust you. They know your instincts are good, and they're here for you. And so when you say something is good, know that like you're bringing an army of people behind you. Oh, like, hell yeah. You're speaking for them, too. So I wish I did that more, but... In either case, I didn't pick the title, but um, what I liked about the energy of the title, so I think dating with dominance gives people the impression that I'm telling women to like go out there and buy men drinks and mm. like, you know, I'll drive you home, sweetheart. I'm not saying that. <laughs> what I'm suggesting is dating with Grab directiveness. Grab by the tie. Right. <laughs> I hated the fact that women take a passenger seat approach to dating. Like, I'm going to wait for that person to approach me. I'm going to wait for them to call me back. I'm going to wait until they initiate the first kiss. I'm going to wait until they want me to meet their friends. And so and you wait for them to propose. Yeah. You wait for them to bitch, right? You mm-hmm. wait for them to propose. So it becomes this really massive area of your life, which uh, sociologists, sociologists say that what will dictate a happy life, quote unquote, happy life has two thirds to do with the quality and quantity of your close relationships. So we're talking about a major player in terms of your experience here on this planet. And I'm going to be in the passenger seat. I'm going to be in the tower waiting to be rescued. Like, fuck no. Like I want to say when it comes to my career, I'm not waiting for the right job to find me. I'm not waiting for my passion to like knock me on the, you know, on the glass window. I'm in charge. I have directiveness. And so dating with dominance essentially means being clear about what you want and you don't have to necessarily even make the first move, but mm-hmm. even putting yourself in position to get the results that you are looking for, not mm-hmm. hoping that somebody else, you know, knows what's best for you. Well, you're so right. If 
you want love, you want a great career. Why would a career you ch- you like have a strategy on how yes. you want to get there? Where the other thing you're just. But I guess there's so much fallacy of like it happens when you're not looking for it and I'm like if I'm not looking that means I'm in my home on Netflix and I don't see how that's gonna have a partner there's a balance because you even said this with your relationship yeah. right that you weren't looking for a partner at the time so kind of the same thing with your career you definitely find, didn't force it you'll find your biggest opportunities come when you're not needing a job mm-hmm. because if I need a job the energy that I'm bringing, like when I came to LA, I had the classic story of like driving out with just my car and having nothing. I would go to meetings and then go to my car and cry afterwards. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, please like God or toad or magical orbit, whatever's out there, like let this happen for me. I had to, I'm not Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> that energy was definitely felt in the meeting. I think I'm fooling people, but they're getting this ick off of me. This like, I need you to complete me. And that's not sexy, right? Like we're not, We're a cooperation-based world. I'm not looking to be charitable. So Mm -hmm. if I don't feel this is mutually beneficial, Mm -hmm. instinctively as a human being, we're like, ah, I don't feel comfortable here. We want to go to the club with a lineup, right? We we want things that have multiple five-star reviews on Amazon. We want to know that we're getting value for our time because our Mm -hmm. time is very precious or Mm -hmm. our opportunities are very precious. So if you have a desperation with dating, that's going to come off and give an ick factor. So it isn't that you shouldn't be looking, you know, because you should be intentional, but you can't need it to happen for yourself. And you'll find that when you release the need, that's why I'm always very particular too. When people are like, I'm looking for a relationship and on the first date with somebody, they'll say like, I'm looking for this to go somewhere. So if you're not looking for anything serious, we probably aren't aligned. I'm like, how could you know? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. He could be a good fuck buddy. Right. And not right for, yeah, just being like, I want a relationship. So if you're in it, then we're going to do that. It's so scary to say. Yes. Instead, it should be like, I'm looking for, I'm looking to enjoy myself. It'd be a turn off if a guy said that to me. Like, hey, I'm looking for a relationship. So if you're not, don't fuck with this. I'd be like, (gasps) suffocated. Because I'm like, I don't even know, like, if we're going to get along past these next 10 minutes. It's fucked up. but my toxic relationship that I was in helped me get to that place and that I realized like, oh, the wrong person can actually fuck up your mental health and I'm low-key scared of being with the wrong person and being in that place again. As you should be. I was just enjoying myself so when I'd meet someone, I wasn't initially like, oh, I want them to fall in love with me because I was like, love could be scary. Yes, (laughs) I think that's a healthy way of looking at it. To be honest, I had this uh, thing, aha moment of, like there's two ways to go downhill. You can go downhill on your bike and like take your foot off the brakes and then just free fall, throw your hands in the air and then have a fucking ball. And there's something so much fun. Like if you've ever gone downhill and you're on a bike before, mm-hmm. it's so fun, mm-hmm. but you don't see the pebbles. You don't see the little holes in the road. And then that can turn to something really catastrophic very fast. True. You can also go downhill and you could go slower and have your foot on the brake. And yes, you're not getting that like, I'm surrendering myself, this rush of craziness, like, oh my God, I'm alive. But you are getting the joy of momentum. You're getting the joy of progress and moving forward. And you also are giving yourself space and time to say, there's a pebble, let me hit the brakes or let me go mm. around it. Um, and you get to pick. So I'm not saying one is better than the other because there's definitely benefits to just letting yourself feel. There's something that you can't replace that feeling by being guarded. But when you're guarded, you also don't get your head smashed in. So you're you so pick, right. You're so right. You like you can fill in. in the blanks in your head and be like so happy with the guy for three months. And then eventually the I don't know the math, but and the science, but the dopamine is going to s- subside. And then 
you hate how he breathes and you're just like how did I get here like that's happened to all and then like his mom spawns on texting you and you're like what is going on I don't even like this guy but I do think I want to know what is that where like it really is science that you're you have the puppy dog stage and then I learned there's kind of just this like boundary stage you get to and then that's where you see that long-term relationship oh I like that I never heard that before the boundary stage yeah it's kind of like after the dopamine kind of calms down a bit you test each other's boundaries and for the people who can't get past it you're fighting and you break up and then once you learn how to have healthy boundaries because you test each other there's like that testing moment Mm -hmm. um but I want to know with you in a long-term relationship especially with sex how do you keep it spicy you just intentional. When you first get with somebody, you're on a roller coaster. So your brain is doing all the work for you. You're on a roller coaster, you don't do shit. You just get strapped in, you're like, I'm here for the ride. So because your brain wants you to make a long-term connection with somebody, because again, it's integral for its survival, mm-hmm. for you to have a tribe of people who really give a fuck about you. Mm-hmm. So when your brain notices that you're around somebody who could really give a fuck about you, especially in a romantic way, because that's one of the most strongest, most potent connections, it's like, yes, let's do this. And so your brain is incentivizing you every step of the way. Ooh. So you don't have to try to get that passion. You're getting the butterflies. You're getting the stomach drop moments. When they're not around, you feel like a heavy sense of loss. When they enter into a room, all of a sudden, like your heart starts beating faster. Like I used to sit, think about it uh, when I was you know, much younger that it's crazy that people are so confused about what love is, but love is so physical to me because my lip would quiver. You know, my eyes would dilate. My heart would start pounding. My palms would sweat. But then I realized it's not love. It's just, you know, lust and infatuation. So scientists actually say that once that phase is over, that's when true love can begin. So the difference is it's called passionate love. So passionate love is that automatic stage that hands up on a roller coaster. You're getting the neurochemical cocktail and it's doing all the work for you. And then after a while, which is actually really interesting, is that if you continue to be on the roller coaster of passionate love, it actually would shorten your life expectancy. Because every time that you get these rushes of dopamine, these rushes of adrenaline, it damages your tissue. And it's also very stressful for your body, right? Because when you're not with them, you have loss of appetite. You're not in a, you're very up and down. It's like cortisol levels. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So you have a heightened, um, your cortisol levels are like dipping and diving. It's like you can't keep it up. Like you literally physically can't keep it up. You physically can't keep it up. So then eventually the neurochemical cocktail stops being served up in your internal bar. And then now you're in a car. So do you want to turn the ignition on? It's up to you. Do you want to go fast? Do you want to turn left? Do you want to turn right? Like you're in the driver's seat. So that intentionality and the fact that you have to physically do a lot. I mean, like you can get to a place where you're cruising and that happens too. But there is a shift that happens where it's no longer like, oh my God, like we're just having great sex because we exist. Mm -hmm. And now we have to physically say, we're going to get in the car together and this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have this kind of experience because we both want it. So it's not bad if you're like scheduling sex. No, that works for you. Right. I want to know too, you talk a lot about like seduction. Yes. Give me some tips. I think it's, I mean, so the book, The Art of Seduction is my favorite because it breaks down nine different ways you can be seductive. Oh, wow. So I think that we grow up in a world that's like, if you're not talking like this yeah. and licking your lips and, mm-hmm. you know, like having fluttering like, your eyelashes. My friend referred to it as the club walk. 
<laughs> like if you don't have the club walk, like you're not seductive, but instead you can be seductive by being curious about somebody else's passions. So when I'm around Hannah, because she asks me about what matters to me, I get to be my highest self. So I'm attracted to the version of me that exists with you because you're like, that startup business that you were doing with stamps, how's that going? And I'm mm-hmm. like, no one's asked me about my stamps business in so long. And now there's this person, I get to be the dream version of me around. That's extremely seductive. Being funny, right? So letting, like laughing, um, being adventurous, being the kind of person that when I'm around you, I don't know what's gonna happen next because you inspire me to come out of my comfort zone. Being somebody who has like a childlike essence where they don't care what other people are thinking because we live in a world that's so bogged down with expectations. When you're around somebody who's genuinely free, that's like, fuck. I remember when I was like that. That's seductive. Holy shit, you're blowing my mind right now. And I also think so many, it's important that women listen to this because I feel like so much of our egos can be tied to looks. Yes. And when you're saying that, I'm thinking of all these moments that like I was turned on when someone has done something like that. And it's important to understand like your value as a human is so much more than like if you have a fine line on your face. Absolutely. And I think that we know this like from men. There's so many times you see a dude, you're like, how did he get that girl? You know? <laughs> yep. And then he's really funny or really charming or really caring. Or you find out that, you know, he's helped her propel her business to the next level. And it makes sense to you. So I think women should give themselves the benefit of also knowing there's so much more value yes. that you have to offer a connection. And, and so- that's why when you're scrolling Instagram or like comparing yourself to other people based on a photo, it's like there's so much more to what encapsulates who you are and it's not just you know these external factors so much this i could talk to you for hours which is dangerous i want to play a game with you yay called the seven deadly sins (laughs) seven deadly sins okay what are you greedy about affection Mm. like probably like I'm not saying that in a positive way I mean like this is a constant problem in my relationship Ooh, actually me too where like I want him to verbalize how awesome I am and he's like affirmation he goes but you know how much I love you and I'm like but sometimes I just want you to give me a speech so you're bringing (laughs) you compliments Yes, you know I'm what? A Leo. Yes, we have a thing called love, uh, love speech. I'm like, dude, I can I have a love speech, and he's like, oh, God. like, wait. So explain what's going on with with you in terms of affection. I just need to be constantly touched, uh-huh. or else I feel like you don't like me, and uh-huh. you never did, and this whole thing is a lie, and we should get divorced right now. So, so <laughs> do you let yourself go there and then have him calm you down, or do you say, oh, this is anxiety? I, I probably this- get there twice a week, or not twice a week. Sorry. <laughs> Once every two weeks, I, if I, we brought Jared on, I mean, I, I'm getting better with acknowledging. And I, what I do is if I'm not getting physical affection, I start to spin and then like, is he not an attentive father? Is that why I'm mad? Is it mm-hmm. because he's not helping with chores? Do I feel like I'm the only one who cares about taxes? So rather than like addressing like, hey, you probably just feel like insecure because you're crazy about physical touch and you haven't gotten any in a while, mm-hmm. I'll start to try to find other things that could be the problem. And could it even just be a little thing that could calm you down? Like him just putting his hand oh, on your leg. Sure. It doesn't yes. have to be like a ass slap. It could be an ass. I mean, hand on my leg, it depends. The intention would have to be like, I, need, I want you mm-hmm. in this way. So mm-hmm. that's my greed thing. But then he also, you have to have a partner that when you're doing that doesn't feel like, okay, that's turning me off that you want me to touch you all the time. And you don't, you also don't want to be inauthentic. Like, okay, here. I wouldn't, I'll take inauthentic. Well, at least you know that's your love language. It's going to feel so phony when I do it. I'm like, it won't. It won't. It won't. Just do it. Um, 
So I'm working on that and I'm continuously working on that. And then he also is not traditionally very affectionate. So that's mm. an interesting combination for us to like constantly overcome. So, yeah, I'm with a guy who's Irish and I'm learning like in just Irish culture, affection and like talking about your feelings is not a thing. Oh, and I'm Italian where I mean, we have our own issues, but I, I'm like mass stereotyping these cultures, but Italians are very like affectionate, loving, kissy, kissy. Like you kiss your grandma, you kiss your grandpa. And so I like, we're having a mix of those. And I think we're learning from each other. And he's like, you don't always have to f tell me what you're feeling all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm waiting for you to go. It's your turn. Um, who are you envious of? Oh my gosh. So Ashley C. Ford, this, like I have five you names. You so quickly. <laughs> I have five names that immediately popped up. It's interesting because yesterday my sister, uh, Glenn, you know, Glennon Doyle. Yes. So I was, I was saying to my sister, it's a good person for you to look at. And then she's like, I don't actually ever do that. I don't have people whose career I go and obsess over and mm. then think about like how I could be them. I'm like, that's all I do. So uh. um, Ashley C. Ford is a friend of mine who wrote an incredible book that Oprah thinks is an incredible book. And the world because it's a New York Times bestseller I'm sure it'll get turned into a movie and she's so fucking good mm -hmm. like she is stupid good mm -hmm. like I'm just like how does somebody get this good um, but it's awesome that she's your friend and that you're surrounding yourself with people that inspire friend. you I don't know how friendly we we're friends for sure mm -hmm. but I'm not saying that like we don't hang out every day I've seen I met Ashley in person once in my life and mm -hmm. then we definitely have a relationship online but yeah. and I would comfortably tell her that I'm extremely jealous of her so. <laughs> really really good it's interesting because i see you and i'm like no one has a career like her oh wow so i don't see you as like but i think yeah you probably talk about different stuff I than her you 10 people who have a career that's better than mine but again this is kind of how i draw it's interesting because my husband's the same way and he got it he's a podcast called enjoy the podcast with mm -hmm. two other dudes who are here today and they're super hot oh, so cool. it's a great podcast <laughs> and they got into a debate about that of like is jealousy a good thing because both Jared and I are very jealous people um, mm. about careers. So mm. he'll come to me and be like, look at this person's song. Look at this person's thing. Look at this person. I'm like, yeah, I know. And mm -hmm. so we draw a lot of inspiration off of like the greatness of other people and acknowledging that we're not there yet. Yeah. I use the jealousy as a trigger of what you want. So, you know, like, oh, that's what I want to manifest. Like, for example, I'd like watch comedy and I'd be looking around and all I'd want to be was on the stage where some people... I guess watch comedy and they have no part of them wants to be on the stage. Yes. So me being jealous of the person on stage was just a universe like signal telling me like, that's want. what you want. Do you know, Brene Brown, I think did a beautiful segment on this. Do you, do you know what yes. About? Yes. Okay. That I think was great. Cause I was like, that's exactly how I feel. And then you use that energy instead of just weighing on you to be like, Oh, this is a, a lesson that I need to chase. And maybe that's why I'm okay with an open relationship because I like, like the feeling of being jealous. So Ooh. maybe there's something there. But the thing is like, it's funny. Like I, I love flirting. I'm a huge flirt. And Des is flirty too. But like, obviously we don't say we're an open relationship, but like we're, we go do comedy at night and then our job is to like be likable and like make people laugh, which is so fucking flirty. Yes. Like so making, flirty. and like, I know Des is making women laugh every day, but I kind of, I like if women want to fuck him. I do too. I do. And I like if he flirts with them, but I was joking with my friend, like I'd rather a guy say he wants to fuck someone than be like, oh, I love that, the energy of that person. What do you mean? Like, oh, I understand what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like that makes me more jealous if Des was like, yeah, that girl was like really like cool and like she like really got me. That makes sense. A lot of people, drive me crazy. they deprioritize sexual attraction it's and then though. emotional attraction Good feels like betrayal. Exactly. Right. What are you gluttonous about? So what do you overindulge in? What's like your guilty pleasure? 
Oh man, I have a baby right now, so like really nothing. <laughs> I have everything is on scarcity. I love how we didn't even touch the baby yet because yeah. like that'll be next podcast we do. <laughs> so I, I have a baby under one, so I think about like I don't get enough sleep, mm-hmm. I don't get enough sex, I don't get enough time to work on myself, I don't get enough time to be with the baby, I don't mm-hmm. get enough time for anything. So like, there's nothing that I really feel like I get a lot of right now. Everything is like just bare minimum. You, it, it sounds like you're making everything work right now, and you're in At, that like bare minimum. You're yeah. drowning a little, but like you're making it work. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you can do it all. <laughs> At Example A. Bare minimum. You can do it all for sure. I'm in school right now too. I'm literally doing Oh yeah. Isabel was telling me you're in school and I was like, holy At bare minimum. So everything is just like just enough to get by. But you love learning. I love learning. I do. <sighs> what a nerd. I also think do people think that you're like a sex freak? Like that I you're used like to think that, that, I, that you want to fuck all the time. You're just thinking about fucking and like do you know do you know horrible decisions yes i love Wheezy. yes so i was on their podcast and they're like you know like everyone looks at you as like prudy and like hoity-toity and like this classy dame i was like is that how everyone looks at me so <laughs> i think it depends on what circle you're in i can either be like True. seeming like motherly and like yeah scholastic yeah to them you're like adorable yeah exactly because <laughs> for people who talk about sex you just assume it's like okay so they fucking like 10 times a day but like horrible decisions they do yeah so they like if you think about what your aspirations are for a sex expert they suffice that i don't think that i like i get i'm just bare minimum i'm just getting by so (laughs) you're like my vagina's been through a lot the last year (laughs) when was the last time you experienced extreme wrath or anger oh let me think about this extreme wrath oh man i have an answer for this and i very rarely say i can't explain more but in this particular case i had an incident with my husband that it was really bad and it was actually maybe a month ago or so the first year after having a kid which my sister said this to me was so affirming she said that this is the hardest year like a lot of parents will tell you that zero to one is harder than one to ten. Oh wow um, so it's a really really difficult year on the relationship yeah i heard that having a baby will never like make your relationship better Like, as in it won't, like, fix anything. Yeah, especially the first year. Maybe after a while it does because, I mean, even now it's getting better. But when you're sleep deprived and you're time deprived and you're losing yourself and your hormones are probably weird. It's a lot going on. So did you want to have a kid? Yeah, really did. You wanted to be a mom. So grateful for that because trust me, I'm like, there's two things in life that you should never do unless you fully want to do. And that's school and a baby. As an adult who's in school again now, my experience is so different than when my parents forced me to go to college. Yeah. Because now I actively want to be here. So the way that I'm treating my education, I'm paying for this shit. It's yep. so different. So if you don't want to have a kid and you have one, I I mean, good luck to you because this shit is so hard. So every time that I'm like, I just feel so sorry for myself. I'm like, bitch, you asked for this. You asked for this. Don't but it's scary that like it. the first year is the hardest because I'd be like, I'd be like, oh my God, did I make a mistake? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> there's a time I didn't want kids like and I really didn't want kids yeah. and people are like don't you like think back on that version of yourself and just say one day you'll understand I'm like no I think back on that person and I'm like you knew what the she, fuck you she were knew what about. she was talking about <laughs> when was the last time you were a sloth like a lazy piece of shit because I feel like you are the busiest bitch yeah you don't get to I don't have an answer and in, in the most annoyingest way possible do you like lying around watching I would tv love it I fantasize there was a time when Jared and I first got together that he got sick and I got to binge watch the O.J. Simpson trial. <gasps> I love the O.J. Simpson And trial. it was like, not the trial, it was like the American Horror Story or something. Yes. But I think back on those days really often. Like, that was so 
much fun. I just laid in bed. And Do like you say no food. to things? Um, Are you good sure. at saying I say no? no a lot? Yeah. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last time you let your pride or your ego get in the way of something? This is a tough one. Oh, my yeah, my relationship. Um, I think too, like another factor that people don't talk about with a baby is babies don't have any sense of anyone else's feelings so they pick favorites a lot um so there'll be times like the baby does not want a damn thing to do with me and just wants the dad so then your pride and ego can get really caught up in those moments you have to really check yourself in that but it always comes back around the pendulum's always swinging sometimes it's cute though that it's cute but in the moment where it's happening to you you're like my baby doesn't like me so there are definitely those are it's very easy to get your pride and ego wrapped up in that experience. Are you kidding me? Like if a dog decides to like get pet by someone else, I'm well, like, imagine if your cat just chose Des over you and like really genuinely. No, but that's why I love my cat. Cause she doesn't fuck with anyone but me. She's yeah, a but loyal one girl. Day she could, so. but I, I like that. She like, will let him pet her now, but no, but seriously, if a dog, if I meet a new dog and a dog runs to someone else, I'm like, is my energy shit? Like what's happening? <laughs> when was, okay. When was the last time you lusted over someone besides Jared? Like, do you have a celebrity crush or like, I really like Neymar, um, mm-hmm. the soccer player, mm-hmm. Neymar Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that's been my last like kind of I'm trying to think if there's somebody in person. Also, I just want you to know your brain works so fast. Oh, thank you. Or I just think about these things. Most all of the these time. questions people <laughs> take like five minutes. Also, like it is like 11, 30, 12, and I, this is still morning for me. <laughs> and you are just so smart and quick. Or I just think about my sins every day. <laughs> <laughs> Neymar Jr. next. <laughs> okay. To wrap this up, because this is just the tip of the iceberg with me and Shan. I feel like I feel like there's so much more interesting things to know about you and everyone needs to delve into her content and just soak it up. No pun intended. But um, what advice would you give to people on how to cope with your hell when you're going through it, mm. when it's dark? What's your go to? Oh, man, it's going to sound kind of fucked up, but like lean into that shit. Mm. Make videos, write stories like this is what life is about. Like the experience of being alive is the highs and the lows. There's so many other species on this planet that are just in autopilot. They don't have free will. They don't have experience. They don't have emotions. And so there's like, I watched this documentary once, um, National Geographic documentary. It was talking about ants. And there's ants that literally, while they're being burned alive, will continue to do their job. So if they're a leaf cutting ant, even if they're being burned alive, like I just, I cut leaves. This is what I do. Like they don't know how to like experience the range, right? Like uh-huh. suffering, pain, loss, mourning. So if you can experience those things, like this is the benefit of being a human. Cause I could just be wow. a leaf cutting ant, sure. And then not feel, but I'm a human being and I'm born to feel. This is one of the best answers I've ever gotten. Oh wow. I do have to say. I, I'm kind of disappointed by one of, cause I'm like, who else brought no, up no, no, a this, leaf cutting ant being burnt to a No, most people are like, you know, keep going. But I, I always like want to be doing as well as I can. And I feel like I'm loved more when I'm doing well and I'm dealing. Really? With, that's people. Just, Love when you're down. What when I was going through the <laughs> shit in life, people loved me, and I got. I look. I I fortunately recorded a lot of my like really. When you terrible say people, moments. do you mean friends? No, like the internet. Oh, the internet. Maybe mm-hmm. friends. It it can depend. There are some friends who can. I actually had a lot of friendships that ended because I was no longer in a state of crisis because mm-hmm. you realize that yep. like our connection was based on you know trauma Pain. bonding. Yeah. Right. So, but I think that. Um, 
now even like that I'm in a healthy relationship, if I hear a really good breakup song, I'm like, ooh, I wish that I hate this motherfucker. <laughs> I wish that I was heartbroken because it's I remember- It's like every Zell song after you listen to it, you're like, this ooh. motherfucker's still here. Cause you have a song, like when you went through your last breakup, like what was your song? Oh my God. <laughs> well, I joke that I remember the good songs and I can't listen to them anymore cause they'll remind me of that person. Like they, exes ruin songs for you. Um, to be honest, okay, I'm. We'll get into this on your pod. I'm very bad at feeling my feelings. I'm. That's why Taylor Swift can do it for you. True, true. But I've been taught to always like, don't feel pain, don't cry, don't. So I like numb it. But your advice right now is so powerful. You're Italian. You're supposed to be the filler. You just said that. I know. That's our why stereotypes not true. That's why I'm. Our stereotypes not my true. My exploding. <laughs> Didn't you all not like meatballs? No, but I feel like I. Your advice is so great because I did see something on TikTok or something where someone was like, yes, make the plot twist, like get the life more exciting. Like yes. what is life if you're just like, if you don't have these ups and downs, if you don't have these come ups, if you don't fall and bring yourself back up, like that's what makes it so much more interesting. So um, that's really helpful to me. Yeah, it's going to be a great part of your story. And you're going to reference this part of you're in hell right now. You're going to think back on and be proud of yourself for how you came out of it. Yeah. And the coming out of it part is going to be a little bit shitty. But just know like in two years, you're going to fall in love with this part of your story. Mm. So try to like love and lean into it in the moment. At the very least, record and write that shit down. I love that too. When you went through a hard time, I love being like, can't wait to talk about how I got through this on a podcast in two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shan, where can people follow you, listen to you, watch you? What are you working on? Give me all the goods. I'm going to just say one request, which is my podcast. Yes. Is my, myself and my sister are working on it together. Yes. And it's like the greatest thing I've ever done. Um, it's called Lovers and Friends. Mm -hmm. And you are a guest on it. Yes. Everyone listen to that episode right fucking now. We're doing a episode about the intersection of love and humor mm -hmm. and how that can go extremely wrong mm -hmm. and extremely right in some cases so looking forward to it download like subscribe review swipe up you know what to do thanks for coming to hell guys and i'll talk to you later bye <laughs>